0: destiny city destiny city destiny city destiny city destiny city church a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God given destiny Series called I Am a Church Member, and um, this is something we haven't really stressed since our inception as a church. We just had people that naturally came along with us and, and have enjoyed the journey with us and endured the journey at times, and, and some couldn't endure, and, and others have gotten on and on board, and, and so, uh, you know, we're still moving ahead, and, and God's doing some great things. But we've never really stressed church membership. You know, we, we just never stress it. I mean, somebody asked me one time, said, what do I have to do to join your church? I said, do you love Jesus? And they said, yeah. I said, well, you're already a member. Come on, you know, it's pretty much that way. But uh, there, there's a little bit more to it than that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, about being a part of a spiritual family. And, um, you know, someone said one time that the difference between friends and family is you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your family. You know, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, you love your family, and, and uh, my sister sitting back here, she will tell you, there were times in our life growing up when she and I weren't so nice to each other. She's partly responsible for this bald spot in the back of my head, but uh, where she pulled and, you know, in big hands full, uh, I blame her for that. But, uh, but you know, we, we, we love each other dearly in spite of all of the disagreements and the things we had growing up, because we're family. And you know, blood is thicker than water, right? And, and so uh, we, we, we we love our family because we're family. This is the way it is. And and spiritual family is, is, is a lot like that in our natural family, because... You know, we have visitors that come and go, and we we appreciate folks who come and visit with us, and, and, and some will stay and become part of the family, and that's wonderful. And some will just come, check it out, and say, I like it, but I like my church better, so I'm going back there or, or whatever. Or, you know, it's just not my flavor, so I'll keep looking till I find somewhere where I can settle in. And that's what we're hoping will happen here, that folks will will, will see what's happening here. And, you know, last week or the last week before last, I, I shared... Uh, basically the vision that god has put in my heart for for destiny city and where we're going and so that you could be a part of the journey and, and know where we're headed you know you wouldn't be in the dark so you kind of you know it's like habakkuk said habakkuk said uh, you know write down the vision and make it plain so that they that run with it can run with it you know and just write it down make it plain so we will know where we're going and without a vision we know that people perish we got to have vision without vision we find ourselves in the ditch. And if we have division, that also separates us and points us in opposite directions and we never can get on. And the week before that, of course, I preached on what? Unity. So we're all going in, the, we're going in a direction here. So we're laying some foundational principles and, and things to help us to grow together as a church, to have a solid foundation to build on so that when, you know, we, I feel like God has helped us to lay a solid foundation. Now we're ready to start putting the pillars up. We're ready to start building what God has called us to build as a church, as a fellowship. So, uh, but I want to refer to uh, our, our spiritual family as that rather than church members because that's what we are. We're members one of another, of course, according to the scriptures. And in Corinth, uh, First Corinthians, chapter twelve says, "You are members of one another, and you're fitly joined together by the Spirit." And so, the Spirit of God puts us together as He as He wills. You know, so each joint supplies the need of the other. So that's why we're joined together as a family. You have strengths that I don't have. And obviously I have strengths that some of you don't have. I mean, if I were to ask some of you to come up here and do what I'm doing, you'd die right in your tracks. I mean, we'd just have to literally carry you on out because you would just you would just melt. Ronnie's sitting back there shaking his head. Please don't ask me to come up there and do that. So, <laughs> so yeah. We understand. I mean, God's given me the gift of gab, and other people may not have that. So, you know, I'll talk to a signpost if it stands still long enough. I, I, I told you all one time I was in, it was around Christmas time, and I was just feeling it. You know, it's the season. And, and I'm standing in line at Food Line, and this guy's standing there. And I don't know, I just got the joy of the Lord, and just, and I just reached over and put my arm around the guy, and gave him a big hug, and he looked at me like, Something wrong with you? You know, I said, I love you, man. He says, thanks. (laughs) I think. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just this love thing. This thing God puts in our heart just makes us love people. And we can love the most unlovely. I mean, it's just just God puts it in our heart. And it just becomes a part of what we are. So the family of God is referred to in the scriptures as the body of Christ. We are the body. And there's a little thing called fellowship. Anybody ever heard that term? fellowship we're part of a fellowship you know what fellowship is it's the word koinonia communion is the same word when we come together in common union and 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 someone said that the word fellowship literally means a bunch of fellows in the same boat you're in the same ship together and you're all going in the same direction so when we have that kind of fellowship with one another we, we point the boat in one direction we all get on board and we all row together you know row Oh, and we keep going. And we get in unison. And the more we do, the, the more we can get done. But if we only got half rowing, what happens? When we start going around in circles. And that's not good because we want to keep moving forward. That's what God's called us to do. So the church, understand this. The church is so much more than a building. You know, we were a church before we came here. We, we have, you know, somebody asked me one day, I was in, uh, I was in the Y and I was working out and, and, and someone asked me, says, by the way, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, um, I said, I'm a pastor and, and that's, that's my calling and, and vocation. And they said, well, where, where's your church? And I said, well, you see that guy over there on the, on the, the, the uh, what do you call that thing, the uh, trim or whatever, treadmill? I said, that's part of our church over there. I said we have some that are probably out working today. So, our church is all over the city, all over, all over the place. They looked at me so funny. No, I mean, where's your church? I said, well, we're, you know, some of us are are, are doing different things today. It's like, but, but, I said, oh, you mean where do we meet? I said, right now we're meeting on the campus of Livingstone College. He said, well, that's what I meant. I knew what he meant, but I want him to understand that church is so much more than a building. You know, and in China, a thing happened when the communists moved into China and they declared Christianity to be illegal. You know what happened? They went underground. But something else happened too. The church started to grow. And today, there are approximately 1.2 million new believers every day happening in china because of the underground church movement so it doesn't matter you know where the church meets it's what who we are and understanding who we are we are a spiritual family that's what we are It, it always it is and it always has been a spiritual family so members in the early church didn't just call each other brother and sister on sunday morning you know they didn't just come oh hey brother hey sister they were brother and sister all the time you know, they, they, they were there for each other. They, they had all things in common and that they, they brought all their resources together so that there was none of them that had need. Everybody took care of everybody else. And really, that's what the church is all, all about. The Bible tells us in Galatians, it says, do good unto all men, especially unto those who are of faith. So God calls us to be good to everybody, but mostly, most importantly, to those who are a part of the spiritual family. Now, uh, we, we, we love to take care of people, but who are we concerned about the most? Family. We're concerned about our kids. We're concerned about our family. My mother was, a, was the sweetest thing you ever saw. She was the kindest, sweetest woman you ever saw. But you didn't mess with her children. Because if you did, she turned into a mama bear. I mean, she would take your eyes out in a second. You'd mess with her kids, any 11 of them it didn't matter she she was that way she was she loved her kids and she was protected because that's her family so not everybody that walks through the front door of our house is a family member we have people come to our house all the time not everybody who rings the doorbell is a family member we have the ups guy comes and he has a purpose for coming you know but he don't come in sit down drink a cup of coffee and have a conversation he's there for a purpose that's to deliver a package and get on with it you know And and we have other people that come. You know, somebody might want to come and sell us something. Sometimes I can't get rid of them. You know what I'm talking about? They get the foot in the door, and it's like, you know, I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to sell you something. And so you just don't let them get the foot in the door. You kick it out. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about. So not everybody that comes to the front door of your house is a family member. Friends Friends and neighbors visit, but they're not family. You know what they say about relatives, don't you? You love to see them come. And you love to see them go, you know. You love to see them come, and, and and you love it when they're there for a couple of days. But after that, the welcome starts to wear out. You know, it's time to move on. You know, and so so we're we're just that way. And and there but but there are two basic difference between family members and those who occasionally enter our house. And those two things are duration and responsibility. Our family's here to stay. And they stay as long as they want. But along with that comes responsibility to the family. Each one of us have our responsibility. You know, my kids are growing up. They had a responsibility to clean their room. They got to the point where they weren't cleaning it. So my wife and I would stop. You know, when it got to where they couldn't get through the door to their room and couldn't get to their bed and had to sleep in a bed that wasn't made up for six or eight weeks, then they'd get the message, it's time to clean up. It's my responsibility to get something out, you put it back. If you cook, you clean up after yourself. It's a responsibility. But you're welcome to stay there as long as you want. Why? Because you're family. You have duration and responsibility. Family members are here to stay while visitors are temporary. Family members, therefore, have responsibility while visitors really don't have any. We love our visitors. We love when people visit with us. We love you. Like my dad says, we will treat you so many ways, you're bound to like one of them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and so we love it when visitors come, but not all visitors are going to stay. They're not going to become part of the family. And, so, uh, but, and, and also, they're not our responsible. We're not responsible for their long term care. You know, it's, it's amazing sometimes that people will claim you as their church home especially when it's time for one of the kids to get married or to bury somebody but they you haven't seen them darken in the face of the, of the door of the church in maybe once in their entire life but all of a sudden they they want to be a member of your church because there's something that they need but once that need is met guess what you don't see them again until there's another need but there's a responsibility from church members also from the church. We all have a responsibility for one another. That's why the Bible says each joint effectively supplying the need of the other. So we see how that works. So uh, we're not responsible for the well-being. We are responsible for the spiritual well-being of our members. Members are committed for the long haul, and we may never see a visitor again. So over the next several services, I intend to focus on what it means to be a part of the spiritual family. We also are offering a church membership course entitled I Am a Church Member. We kind of gave you a preview of that. And that basically is, is telling us what it really means to be a church member. We want you to be a part of it. We want you to be a part of this church. We want you to enjoy the benefits of being a part of the church family. But we also want you to understand that God is giving you an opportunity to glorify him through service in the body of Christ. I can't do it all. Has anybody noticed that? I can't do it all. I remember Mark uh, Mark Lowry saying when he was growing up, said his family was expected to be at church every time the doors was open. Said if the pastor was cleaning church on Thursday night, they brought their family, sat on the pew and watched them do it. You know, but they were going to be there every time the doors open, you know. But uh, that's not exactly what we're talking about. But but we, we all have responsibilities, but we also have different giftings and callings, you know. You have a different calling than I have. Some of you may be called to do what I'm doing one day, and that's what I'm here to do is to help equip you to you can get to that point that you can do what I'm doing and do it a lot better. I'm sure that wouldn't take much, but, you know, we can, we can get you there. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that everybody will take the, take the opportunity to get involved in the, in the classes that we have coming up of, of I'm a church member. So this will help all of us, and uh, I hope you won't miss a session. God has given us a purpose and a reason for being as a spiritual family. I shared some of the vision that the Lord has put in my heart a couple of weeks ago. But but I kind of want to kind of recap just a little bit of that. I'm not going to go into depth. So, uh, you know, our purpose and our being, our reason for being as a spiritual family, it brings us to a question. Why do we exist? Why do we exist as as a family? Why has God put us here? God didn't put Destiny City here just because he wanted another church in town. I mean, my goodness, you know, if you look in the phone book, there's over 500 churches in Rowan County. Over 500 churches of all kinds of denominations. I mean, there's so many brands. It's, it's, it's like going to Belks, you know. There's just so many brands that you can look at uh, of churches and stuff in Rowan County. So it's not like God needed another church. But he put us here with a specific purpose a specific reason why do we exist Matthew 11 22 says the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it you know I was talking to someone yesterday who's been successful in business and he said he before he walked out the door he said to me Don he said I want to give you a piece of advice he says know what you want to do and do it with expediency know what you want to do and do it you know Find out what it is you're supposed to do and do it. So we're here to advance the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. It's not about Destiny City. We're here to help you find and fulfill your God-given purpose so that we can advance the kingdom of God and we can do it forcefully. You know, we don't want to be, we don't want to just just kind of be, you know, very um, passive about the gospel. You know, I, I, I prefer to be in your face about it because it's desperate. Desperate time requires desperate measures. You know we can't afford to be passive and just lay back and just say, "Well, y'all come and put a." You know, we we got to do more. And and so our first reason for existence is this, pure and simple: honor God. That's it. Honor God. It's not about honoring me. It's not about honoring you. It's about honoring God. But in that, we do honor each other. But we honor God by God by honoring His people. And honoring the things that God loves and He places value on. So we're here, and our reason is to, is to, our reason for being is to honor God. This is the foundation of all ministry, and it's the ultimate goal of our outreach efforts. It's the invisible force that drives our missions. The the honor of God is the starting point of all we do, and our bottom line is to to the glory of God. Bottom line. If it doesn't bring God glory, this just don't do it. Let's don't do it. Well, everybody else is doing it. I don't care. If what they're doing is bringing glory to God, good for them, but it doesn't necessarily mean if we do it, it's going to glorify God. What we got to do is find out what God wants us to do and then do it. I think this is exactly what our brother was talking about yesterday. Find out what it is you're to do and do it. Just do it. So that leads us to the second question. What do we do? What do we do? Well, We seek to advance the kingdom of God. We seek to advance the kingdom of God. Now, I prefer to grow a church rather than by attrition, by just moving church members around. My preference is that we grow the church through evangelism that we grow the church through reaching the lost and bringing people to Jesus and sharing Christ and sharing the love of Jesus in every way that we possibly can. That's my preference. And I understand in order to do that, God has to give you a team of people that you can equip to get that done. Some of us have evangelistic, uh, uh, the gifts of evangelism. For us, it's not that difficult to evangelize. them, I and we love to talk to people. God's given me the gift of gab, and I can sit around and talk to somebody. As long as they can stand to talk, I can talk. You know, I can listen to them and I can talk. I can share the gospel with them. And, and, you know, it's it's just like Brian here. You remember Brian? I, I met Brian in the Y. That's how we met several years ago. And we talked for several months. And I would just talk to Brian and just talk to him. I built a relationship with him. And then as God began to give me opportunity, I started sharing the gospel with him. And one day, Brian asked me this question. He said to me, He says, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, what? I wish the blank you would have told me that. (laughs) He said, I would have been talking to you like I've been talking to you. And I said, well, that's the point, Brian. Because if I'd have told you who I was and what my calling was, you probably wouldn't have talked to me at all. Isn't that right, Brian? Probably Probably not. But see, God built helped us to build a relationship with one another and he's here today because of that because of relationship I love this guy I loved him long before he ever came to Jesus I love him and I I, you know he's my brother he's part of my family now he my son in the Lord so so you know I have a vested interest in you Brian. And I'm thankful for that. I have a vested interest in others in here that I've been able to, to lead you to the Lord to tell you about the love of Jesus and get you to respond to that. And, and so I'm thankful for that. That's what evangelism is. Basically, it's one beggar telling another one where he gets his bread. How are you getting fed? Well... Here it is. So the mandate for the, for the church is to advance the kingdom of God because God is the absolute sovereign ruler of the universe. His kingdom is destined to invade every nation, every people group, and every redeemable institution on earth. We're not to be passive. We have what we call the seven mountain strategy that we're working under. If you don't know what that is, let me kind of lay it out for you here. You know, we're not just to, to just be passive and lay back and not get involved in what's going on around us. God has called us to advance the kingdom. And, and the world would have us, especially the political world, would have us to, to get in our little churches and stay there. Don't make any noise. It's okay. Just have your little religion. You know, just sit back and, and do what you do. But just don't take it outside the doors of the church. Just Just leave it there. You know, practice your religion in your church because they don't understand that it's so much more than just a religion. We're talking the kingdom of God. We're talking about who the absolute sovereign ruler of the world is in the universe. We're talking about the king of kings and the Lord of lords who's coming back in glory to establish his kingdom that will reign and he shall reign forever and ever. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about eternity. We're not talking about the next four years. Who's going to be the president? We're talking about who the king of kings and lord is, Lord of lords is. So, in other words, we've got to get involved in every realm of society. The seven mountains of our culture that we talked to you about. I'm holding up four fingers, but actually there's seven plus five plus two. You know. <laughs> Let me get my math right here. I went to Northrow Inn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the church's number one means of advancing the kingdom is by making Disciples. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen: go into all the world and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. God is, he, he has put His spirit within us, and we have the tools, we have the power to fulfill the mandate that God has given us to advance His kingdom. And it's, it's through discipleship making. And what is a disciple? I've told you many times before get it. Here it is. I'm going to give it to you one more, one more time. A disciple is simply a learner. That's right, one who is disposed, disposed to learn. He, 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 uh, alert, there's somebody that has a hunger and a heart to know Christ to learn him, to be him. Like it says in Ephesians, to grow up into the, the fullness of the stature of Jesus. And you know, we want to be like him. That's our number one goal is to be disciples of Jesus, to find out what he's like and be like him. So in order to do that, we have to invade the seven pillars or the seven mountains of our society, which are the business world, arts and entertainment, education, politics and government, uh, religion and the family, and wherever there's darkness, we're called to advance God's kingdom through making disciples. We have absolutely no desire to sit around and wait for the world to get worse and worse before God judges it and rescues the church. We're called to be salt and light. You are a city that is set on a hill. I remember when we sat down in Little Hill Creek Church, which was right beside the Napa store in Rockwell, as we started our journey together as a church, and we sat there, and we're trying to decide who we are. We're trying to decide who we are and what our purpose is. And as we're sitting there, we're praying through this thing, you know, what kind of vision are we? And I said, I really feel like God has called us to be a city that is set on a hill. Because you are salt and light, you're called to be, we're called to be those things. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's giving honor to God. That's what we're called to do. So we have a destiny. What is our destiny? It's to help others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. It's not just so that I can fulfill mine. I'm here to help you fulfill your God-given calling and destiny, whether that be in the religious world, in the church, as serving as a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher or whatever the five-fold ministry is. It it may be more than that. God may have the next president of the United States sitting right here in this congregation. We want to help you fulfill your God-given destiny, if that is to be. We have business people here. God has given you the ability to do business. You have a business sense and a business mind. You know, it's one of the things I wish I had more of, but God has given you that ability to do those things. And it's not a curse. It is a blessing from God that God has given you. So we want to help you do it well. We want to encourage you and strengthen you in that. And you might be someone who who loves to act. I mean, you just just have a propensity for drama. You just love to do it, you know. You just love to to put on a show and entertain, and that's not bad. That's not bad. I, I love that finally, finally somebody broke the mold and figured it was okay to have a Christian comedian. Somebody could be funny. You know, I love it when, when someone can use the gift that God has put within them to not only entertain but to share the gospel. I've seen some people who do it so effectively. I think of Chandra Pierce and I think of Mark Lowry and, and, and so many others, you know, Aaron Wilburn and other people, you know, that can sit around and sing songs about eating cat at the Chinese restaurant and somehow spread the gospel. I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy. I mean, you know, and some people have that gift in the arts and entertainment. And, you know, some people have the gift of writing. It's just like David Fries that wrote our article here. I sat down so many times and started to write an article, I get so frustrated. Because the next thing you know, i got 14 pages. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to fill all the details. And he said the same things I wanted to say in just a short article. And did it very well, very tastefully. And again, you know, he has a gift, of being a part of the media to to use that gift and and I think about other you know strong believers who are in the in, in the field of the media and that are reporters and so on and so forth that's their calling and we should embrace that we shouldn't tell them get back in the church where you belong no get out there be salt be light share the love of Jesus so you, you see what I'm saying that's what we're here for to help you to find and fulfill your particular God-given destiny, whatever that is. Not everybody's called to to work within the parameters of established religion, the church. You know what I'm saying? Some of us are called to do something different. So how do we do that? Well, how do we advance God's kingdom? I'm going to give you some things to think about here, and, and then I'm done. It's not going to take long. How do we advance God's kingdom? First of all, through family ministry. One of the things rob when i walked into this building that really excited me i hope you didn't pick up on that too much but when i walked through the door and i saw this thing over here my heart just leaped within me because i'm thinking it just screams family the whole building says family family you know, to be able to do family ministry, to, to have something where families can come and, and the mothers can sit down and, and have a Bible study, let the kids go bananas up in the, the playground and this kind of thing, you know. And it's so cool that we have kids bringing their parents to church. I mean, how awesome is that? How many of you have to have, had to drag your kids out of church, I mean, out of, out of bed to get them to church? And now it's different. They're dragging you out of bed. It's 4 o'clock in the morning like, Mom and Dad, I want to go to church. So it's exciting, and we want to build on that. We want to minister to the family. Families are hurting. And one of the things that the devil has really attacked in our society is family, fathers and mothers. You know, we have a a, a Bible study that we just started yesterday morning called The Power and the Purpose of Men by Miles Monroe. It is rich. I, 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 would, I wish that every man would take advantage of this. So we're not going to be able to do it next Saturday morning, of course, because we got, uh, we got Keith Johnson coming in, which is another thing. You know, we talk about business and we talk about leadership and these things. That's pretty much what he's going to be focusing on. But then, you know, the, the following week on Saturday morning, we're going to be having our men's Bible study, which is the power and the purpose of men. And it's, it's rich, and i would that every man could get involved in this because it will help you as a father as a man just as a you know as a to be a godly man and and so that's why we do these things we have a purpose behind what we're doing it's not just because we don't have nothing else to do you know i like to sleep in on saturday mornings too but i prefer to be here pouring into you and so so that's what we're doing family ministry and and so uh we believe the family supplies the, the, the uh, relational rudiments of the local church. And we believe that the local church is the spiritual home where families should corporately worship God. It's the place where the knowledge and the love of God may be communicated and fostered to parents and children. You know, we have children's ministry. We want to develop youth ministry. We don't have one right now because we refuse to just put something on the table if it stinks. You know, we want it to be good. We want to be rich. We want your kids not to be entertained. We want them to grow. And, and so we're praying that God will help us to raise up a leader that will, will, will have the heart and the unction to minister to our young people, our, our teenagers, to, to pour into them. And, and so we want to do it through community outreach. And we have to ask ourselves the question, Is your church? if your church ceased to exist, how would it affect the community? Think about that. Just put that in your think tank. If, if Destiny City ceased to exist, would we be missed at all? How would it affect the community around us? Are we doing enough to reach the community? What can we do more effectively to reach the community? That should be our thinking. So through community outreach, by reaching outside the walls of the church and to the community, we can demonstrate the love of God and really make a difference. Number three, through church planting. There's probably not a more effective way to spread the gospel and evangelize than through church planting. I mean, people are just naturally curious. Have you ever noticed that? I I went the other day, and I was putting some stuff in my building. I have a building outside, and Jeremy was taking a, a, a little trailer that we had, so we had to unload it. So I'm down unloading stuff and putting it in the building. So as I'm getting ready to lock up the building, I hear this faint. meow. I'm like, what was that? And I thought, is it under the building or in the building? It was in the building, and it was a cat, and they're naturally curious, and, and, and so new things coming in have a natural, cause people to be naturally curious. Some people will come to a new church just to see what the experience and all the hubbub is about, and sometimes they stay, so new churches and church outreach and ministry to families help build the kingdom of God, so, so I'm not opposed to new churches coming in town. I'm excited when one does because that just means there's one more opportunity for somebody to come to know Jesus, you know. So church planning and, and I believe that we ought to raise up leaders within the church that we can send out to plant a church and we ought to help and support them. So that's a long one of our long-range goals is to raise up leaders. We are in the process right now. As a matter of fact, we're meeting on uh, this coming Wednesday morning with another church that wants to part, partner with us in develop, developing and, and, and maintaining a theological training school that both of us can plug our, our, our leaders and our members into to help them grow in their understanding of the Word of God so that they themselves can become leaders and church planters in the kingdom of God. So that's exciting to me. So through church planning, the most effective means of evangelism has been through church planning because we believe the church is the primary vehicle for the advancement of God's kingdom on earth today. The goal of our evangelism and missions work is to establish new churches that will become strong enough to plant more churches. So then the, then the fourth thing is through world missions. And you all know my heart concerning this. If you go look in my office and you'll see a lot of my heart in, in, in my displays. I have, I have articles from all the places that I've been that the Lord has allowed us to go and do missions in. I got stuff from Russia. And stuff from India where we've sent people. And I have stuff from Mexico, Nicaragua, even from Canada (laughs) and and Puerto Rico and other places that the Lord has allowed us to go, Jamaica, and and to be a part in in missions. So I love missions. I love world missions. I love to see what happens on the mission field. I love to encourage those who are church planters and and, and to to train pastors and to help them to to fulfill their destiny that God has given them in doing world missions. And I love to send missionaries. We just had a, a couple from our congregation. It landed in India just a few weeks ago, and they've got quite a story to tell of the things that God has done since they've been there. It's just been amazing. If you follow them on Facebook, you see how Tim and Paris Lynch are doing and see what God is doing in them. It's just amazing to know that God had put this in their heart, and they're there doing what the Lord has called them to do. We have other missionaries that we support, like Elaine Wilburn and others that that we're a part of, and Dwayne and Vicki Jarman. So we we believe in world missions, and, and Psalm 2 and 8 says... Ask of me, and I will give to thee the heathen as an inheritance for you. It's not just a matter of capturing the he, those who don't know Jesus. And that's what he's talking about, those who are, are, are unknowing of God or do, who don't know God. And he says, ask of me, and I will give you the nations as an inheritance for you. So, so that, that's what God has called us to do in, in world missions. And so we have a responsibility to that. And so finally, we must see and, and feel God's heart for the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't just love one little area. He loved the entire world. And so the gospel must go to to all the world. It says, this gospel shall be preached unto the end of the world, and then shall the end come. So whenever we get through preaching the gospel, that's when Jesus is coming. If you're wondering when it's going to be, when we get done, when we're finished doing what God's called us to do, then that's when Jesus is coming. So how do we accomplish the vision that God has put us? Well, I'm glad you asked. Now, now, we sought the Lord. We settled on a generalized statement that uh, encapsulates our vision. And, and what is it is helping others to find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Someone said, if you can write your mission statement in one sentence, the less words you can use and, and clearly encapsulate what you're about, the better. Because people understand it. Now, when people ask most of the folks that have been a part of Destiny City from the get-go, they ask you, what is your church about? What are you going to say? We're here to help what? Others find and fulfill their god given destiny that 's what we 're about and, and it 's done in so many ways and and we that 's a generalized statement but we we so so we're, that's where we come up with the seven mountain strategy where we 're committed to reaching to and advancing the kingdom of god into the mountains of our culture through religion government business arts and entertainment media education and family and so that's that 's kind of where we are and that 's kind of what god has called us to do that 's a huge responsibility isn't it and it takes more than just, just one person doing it. I remember one time sitting in theolo- the, the, one of our theological classes, and they were talking about church growth. And they said your church goes through several phases. It goes through the inception, the birthing of it. Then it goes into a mom-pop mode. That's what mom and pop do about everything. That's where we've been, you know, mom and pop. You know, we, we, We've done most of the work. We've carried most of the responsibility. But we come to a place now where God has given us children in our ministry and, and, and you've grown to the place. Now it's time for you to start assuming responsibility for what God is doing. And that's where we are. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. Everything has a purpose. If it doesn't have a purpose, if it doesn't fit within the vision that God has given us, don't do it. So so that's where we are. That's why we're starting to do the church membership thing to get people more and grafted in and to feel like you're a part of something that's bigger than you you're part of something that's great that god is doing so here's what here's where we are we're a spiritual family god has called us together and it's been a lot of fun up to this point and it's going to be a lot more fun because we're at a point now where we are going to begin to see offspring now how many know that when you have the honeymoon period and everything all that's a lot of fun and you get to the point where you want to have children. But you know what? When you have children, there's always something involved with it. What is it? Come on. Responsibility. Responsibility. And there's also pain involved, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you this. You know, when, when 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 my oldest son was born, it was a long process for my wife. She was in labor a long, long, long time. And then when our second son was born labor wasn't quite as intense and i don't understand that kind of stuff i was just thinking in terms of me (laughs) so you know we go in and we do the lamaze thing and i'm in the delivery room and of course i got to put on the garb you know like the doctor and i'm feeling all important you know saying push and i only got to say it once on the second go around it's like push pop there he is you know i'm like wow man i feel cheated i didn't get to do much so, Doctor Parada was our doctor then, and, and some of you may remember Doctor Parada. He wasn't—he was kind of crass, and he didn't mind saying what was on his mind. And so we go in, and we're taking our our, our, our garb off, for of, lack of a better term. And uh, so, I'm, I'm I'm taking that stuff off, and I looked at Doctor Parada, and I said, I "said Boy, so this one's this one's a lot easier, wasn't it?" And he turns around, he spins around like this and grabs me by the collar and just pulls me down and gets in my face. <laughs> he said, I'm going to tell you something, boy. That wasn't you laying on that table. It ain't never easy. He said, you want to know what it feels like to have a baby? Take your fingers and stick them in your jaws and pull them up over your head. I'm like, ha, ha. Wow. So he helped me. We didn't have any more after that. It's like I'm not putting her through that again. That's what it's like. But the joy of parenthood, the joy of watching them grow up, and the joy of seeing them to begin to reproduce you know, my grandchildren are the most precious thing. And there's a reason why they're called grands, huh? isn't it? You know, it's like if, if we'd have known there was going to be that much fun, we'd have had them first. And, and, and they're wonderful. And you just, it's like you can't get enough of them, you know. It's just watching them grow and everything. And I think part of the joy of it is that, that you can go and enjoy them and go home or send them home, <laughs> one or the other. Well, what I'm saying is there's responsibility and there's pain involved in growing a family and being a part of a family. But there's also joy. There's great joy. You know, it's it's like, you know, once we had gotten through the labor part and we see those beautiful babies, I mean, it's just, it's so worth it. So worth it. And so when you see the end product of what God is doing in the lives of people and you see and you're able to send someone out and you begin to see them to function in, in their calling and their, their giftings, it, it's, it gives you such joy to, to see that. So that's where we are. And we all have a part in it as a family. We all have a part. So God wants you to find your part in the family, to commit to the family. You know, one of the things about being in a large family like I had growing up with 10 brothers and sisters was we would fight like cats and dogs. But, boy, don't you let an outsider try to get in on it because they would be in deep trouble. And folks knew it, too. I mean, I could walk around school and kids would find out that my big brother, my big brother was Arnold Vess or Ronnie Vess, and they wouldn't mess with me they knew that they would come after him, So I was protected. And so that's what we are to one another. We encourage one another. We protect one another. We love one another. And it's all about the one another thing in the kingdom of God. We are a spiritual family. And isn't that good? I love my family, and I love my spiritual family. I love my spiritual family. I mean, and Lynn, no offense, and I think you understand this. I love my spiritual family every bit as much as I love my own flesh and blood because we are so connected in the spirit. And there's a difference. I can't explain it. I cannot explain it. There's such a difference. Did you get so heavily in love with those around you? And and it's wonderful. Amen. How many many of y'all are glad that you're a part of a spiritual family? Amen. There's so many benefits to that, too, being a part of a spiritual family, because you know somebody's always praying for you. Somebody's got your back, you know. And there have been times that I've had people come up to me and say, what were you going through the other night? Well, I might have been going through something horrible. I don't know why, but God just had you on, had you on my mind. And I got up and was praying for you. You know, that don't just happen just everywhere. And that's invaluable. And, and and I've had people come up to me not knowing and say, I don't know why, but God told me to give you this. And you might just be going through a, a horrible time financially or something and and. And God just lays it on somebody's heart to bless you. You just don't understand. And it's just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. That's what it's like being a part of this family that we're a part of. We're all joined together. Would you just stand with me today? And I want to pray for you, you know. And, And if you're standing close to someone, and we're close enough as a family that we can look around, and we know some in our family, like like Holly, Holly's been healed, but sometimes she needs a booster shot. You know, she still believes in God, and, and and you'll ask Holly, "How are you doing?" And What's her her patented response is always overcoming, because she has a lot of, over, of things to overcome, and she needs prayer. And there are others. This, my brother here, Nathaniel. Two years ago, Nathaniel was was coming back from the Philippines. And found himself in the Detroit International Airport lost. Almost, almost totally lost. He had a stroke. Didn't know where he was at. Didn't know where he was at. And he couldn't talk. Mm -mm. He couldn't even talk. But to see where God has brought him today. Amen. See where God has brought him. Praise God. And he's my brother, and I love him. Amen. Amen. It's just amazing. And, And I can look around, and I see others. I see Brenda. And some of you know Brenda's story and what she's walked through. It's been a rough year. But we pray for you, Brenda. We're standing with you. And Karen. I mean, I can just look around. I just see so many faces, and I know what you've been through, the Littleton family. You guys are always, always in my prayers, in my heart. And I just want you to know I love you so much. And so many of you. I see Carrie over there. It just The list goes on and on and on. But we're family we're family. And God puts us together for that purpose that we encourage one another and pray for one another and strengthen one another. And I know what you're going through. I'm here with you, brother. So would you just take one of your brothers or your sister by the hand and Let's just pray for one another as a family. As in closing today, I can't even think of a better way to end this service. And we got some folks over here that you don't know anything about, but I guarantee you they got things going on, and I would just wish that you would go over and, and join with them right over there in the back. Those folks need prayer. They need our love. They need our support. They need our prayers. Would you just somebody just slip over there and just pray with You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.